And at some point in the night, I was like, you know what? Let's go back to to the shop and let's bin dive through your donation bags <laughs> to see if there's anything that I want to wear. What we do here is go back, 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 back. episode of the Bros and Brews podcast, recording on a Thursday uh, afternoon, it's at 11 past 3 on the 27th of May, and we're back recording via the good old Facebook uh, video chat method, not in the same room today uh, as we were last week, but but yeah, bloody, bloody excited to be back doing things the traditional way after what was a mixed mixed bag with the the show last week but um before we get into any of the the how are you's and the reflections and the discussing sunday hangovers um hangovers hangovers botched it oh well we're gonna keep going no editing in this podcast um let's dive straight back into brulette it is a week oh nine oh that's a good question um, yeah nine i think uh, it is nine one, two, i think three. it is Four, five, six. He's counting seven, cans. Eight. His, uh, yeah, it's nine. It's week it's nine. nine. Yeah, it's it's nine. nine. Yeah, it's it only nine. took us 30 seconds to figure out. Yeah. Week nine yeah. of Brulette. Um, if you don't know what Brulette is and you're listening to this, well done on finding us at this particular time of the year. Um, it's a little segment where Matt and I go to a New Zealand supermarket. We purchase a single canned craft beer in the hope that by uh, sweet serendipity luck... Uh, good vibes manifesting any of the above <laughs> somehow we will purchase the same beer um, and if that happens then we have a little prize pool slowly building up over time which will be won by the first person to listen to the podcast and hear that we have indeed succeeded um, it's been eight weeks last week when we were recording in person together we uh, had to conceal our beers and brown paper, paper bags shows to not show each other this week we have the the beauty of being in two different cities so we don't have to do that but <laughs> should we get into it yeah definitely let's do it okay on the count of three uh inform me as to the style of beer that you'll be drinking today three two one lager guava passion fruit sour what to sour oh it's a sour oh, sorry you got all excited with sorry. fruits and things yeah no sour you didn't hear me saying experimental lager. Oh, experimental lager. Ooh. Well, it's not the same. You've got a sour. It's not. Um, I think I know what beer you're drinking. Yeah, uh, you definitely would have seen it. Is it purple can? No, actually. Oh, why well, don't? No. Well, let's no. Well, let's, I, cr- let's I, crack open and we can cheers course. and have a sip and then you can bloody tell me. Oh, lovely. Cheers. Cheers. Oh yeah, that's a sour. Um, yeah, I am drinking um, Aloha, is its name. It's from Deep Creek Brewing Company. Um, and yeah, it's a guava guava passion fruit sour. Um, first reactions to it, as I said, it's definitely a sour. Um, I, I don't dabble in the sours that often, but I found myself, because I'm really enjoying hazies and more fruity, aromatic flavors and stuff um sours are just on the same ball path but just a just a little little off to the left a little bit um but it's nice i have yeah i really like passion fruit myself um comes across a little bit um 
uh, yeah, first impressions, I'm going to enjoy it because it's fruity. Nice. I love a sour. I think sours are best, um, best sort of deployed on some sort of evening out where you're going around to multiple pubs, bars, institutions, and a sour can be really nice as sort of a third or fourth drink when you're, yeah. uh, you need a bit of a break. Yeah, because it's not a cider, mm. you know, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah, I so get what you mean. That, a, a refresher. Yeah, a refresher. Um, I'm drinking Garage Project, ugh, Garage <laughs> Projects XO33 Experimental Lager. Um, I'm not sure how experimental, how sort of limited edition, not limited edition. I don't know. Um, but it's probably just something that they decided to chuck in a can and call it experimental. Um, first sip, I had it quite a while ago, so I've got to, got to have a think. Definitely a lager. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I'll probably enjoy it. To be honest, this has been the first week where I've I've sat down and thought, God, it's it's two thirty. Do I really need to beer this? on Thursday? And maybe that's a reflection <laughs> of last weekend, which we'll get onto yeah, very soon. Very true. Um, so actually, having a lager may may suit me well for today. It may mean that the XO thirty three gets a slightly higher score than it might on any given day. But Ooh. we'll have to be back later on to uh, you know give the final verdict. Give, give the final verdict. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, so yes, another another unsuccessful week on, on Brulette. Yep. Uh, yep. The kitty goes up another $4. So nine times four, right? Mm-hmm. A, a $36. Yep. $36. That's that where we're at, one. people. Woo. Um, we'll be back again with week 10. Yep, next sure week. will. Um, how are you, man? Obviously saw you... Uh, relatively recently uh i believe it was probably 2 30 on sunday morning was when i last saw you uh outside a sal's pizza <laughs> outside a sal's pizza <laughs> um equipped with a i believe it was either a full cheese or pepperoni slice and having recently bitten off uh a part of another i don't actually remember there was some exchange yeah no Man, we waited a long time for that we pizza. waited a long time they were very apologetic they, they were, were very apologetic but yes we ended up going outside and they had to come out and find us which i did appreciate i yeah. did appreciate yeah. but no you're so right i just uh remember saying goodbye to you and just having this cheese pizza shoved in my face because uh, I took a bite and then you were like, another. And you just, <laughs> just kind of shoved it in my face. I took another bite. I wasn't yes, prepared I, to give you the, the whole piece. but I, Yeah, I no, fair you, enough. No, I fair enough. going home with just one. But, but yeah, I, uh, it does feel like I've seen you recently. And, and thank you again for a great uh, weekend in, in Auckland. Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't remember half of what we recorded on Saturday. But if you're listening to this and you <laughs> aren't aware, we did record uh, our first little kind of mini episode which we've called bonus track number one on saturday um which was about 20 minutes we just did brulette and a question time uh while we were waiting for burgers to turn up before we went out which is a lot of fun man i definitely don't remember it, was, it very well no um, it was it, fun it, i think it, it was cool like because we had already had a few drinks you know it, it's not it's not a messy episode i don't want to call it a messy episode at all it's just a shorter fun little sound bite to it you know uh, we wanted to do something we wanted to do something a few days earlier before that but um uh look james was up here doing things um also wasn't feeling 100 percent either mm. so we just really wanted to take it as it comes um and then yeah it came to saturday night we were feeling a little bit more on top of the world we were about to go out so we were like yeah let's do something little so yeah it, 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 i i actually really enjoyed it and i think it's a fun little listen back as well nice short 20 minute episode oh yeah i'm imagining that there would have been at least a couple of people going on 
Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast going, 20 minutes? I can actually listen to that. <laughs> Not 120 minutes. Um, or, the, or there's those people that like, you know, get ready to listen to the episode and then 20 minutes later it's done and they're like, oh, I wanted more. Yeah. Well, well we, hope, here we are. We hope. Here we are. We're back. Um, but yeah, how are you, man? Uh, you said that you on uh, Sunday and potentially even Monday were feeling uh, slightly worse for wear after what was a very enjoyable uh, Saturday night out in Auckland. My first ever, like, night out in Auckland, I think. I I mean, I've had drinks in Auckland before and I have had events, but never been to anything that I would vaguely consider town. Yeah, this was was a bar to bar to bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This was a K-Road spash. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. have you been since I last saw you, I guess? Yeah, good. As you said, uh, I yeah, I was absolutely out of commission Sunday, and I was still feeling it into Monday as well. Uh, yes, I drank copious amounts of alcohol that night, um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed myself. Like you said, that's the first time I've done the K-Road special, mm. um, and I've been up here for a year now, but yeah, I, I don't really go out that much. I've been out a few times, definitely, um, but I think it was just really nice to be around you familiar faces um doing something new which was really cool um and meeting new friends as well we definitely went on an adventure that night which was really cool um and yeah i i was completely out of it completely out of it but i think that's uh, you know drinking it's one of those things like going out to town and stuff it's the it's the you know you suffer the consequences of your actions when it comes to something like that but I remember just laying in bed on Sunday, just kind of being like, actually, that was a lot of fun. This was, this is so worth it. So yeah, any, any, any excuse to spend some time with you, uh, I will happily take it. Oh, bless bro. Yeah. It was such a fun night. Um, and I think, you know, as we get, as we get older and the nights out become <laughs> slightly less regular, I think you're right. When you're having a good night with people you enjoy spending time with, um, then the next morning even if it's a slightly difficult sunday if you can say yeah that was that was absolutely worth it then you know you've you've yeah. had a really good night and you exactly. know we we had a big burger before we went out and mm-hmm. i wouldn't say we went overboard there was a certain point where we definitely stopped having any drinks and we made sure to get some food before we went to bed and i've definitely had later nights i know you've had later True. nights so it wasn't, uh, you know <laughs> yes it wasn't it wasn't the, the latest night we've had but yeah so much fun and k road as somewhere that has just been kind of a hypothetical to me i've you know people talk about it all all the time i've never really understood it it was fun to go out somewhere different than wellington i guess yeah. you just not actually know what the places were like going in there not every place we went to was great some of them were great um there was a, a whole whole spectrum of of k-road <laughs> establishments yeah but, it was we did something we did new go through was the really really nice yeah um agreed and yeah of course that was just the end of what was I guess Wednesday afternoon, four and a half days in Auckland, which I've got to say on the whole, man, was a great trip. Nice. And it was a great trip because Fran and I kind of ticked everything off we needed to do. Some of it was business. Some of it was pleasure. Um, massive pause after that. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. Going okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've got to say, I've got to give props to Auckland because on the whole, I really enjoyed the four days in the city. Uh, obviously, Wellington and Wellingtonians love to give Aucklanders a flack for the city being too big and too many people and all the traffic and yeah, 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 whatever kind of insults want to be thrown Auckland's way. But I've got to say, for the most part, we really enjoyed 
all aspects of Auckland that we engaged with. The food we had was amazing. Um, the experience, I guess, walking between suburbs that we did was really, really fun. Uh, on the Saturday, we walked from uh, Commercial Bay up Queen Street, uh, K Road, and sort of Ponsonby Way. We'd spent time in Greyland, and yeah, it made me realize that Auckland has some really, really great spots. And as I said, I think probably the food in Auckland was the highlight, which probably I didn't expect. Expect? Mm. I think I've always presume that Auckland has good high-end restaurants because people with money come to Auckland, whether it be international travellers mm. pre-COVID mm. or, True. you know, obviously with a big population, you tend to have more wealthy people when it's a bigger city. So I always thought that Auckland would have really good high-end restaurants, but I didn't necessarily think they would have good cafes and sort of quick eat dinner spots. And we had some really, really good food. Um, some I guess I'll name some places because you might be in Auckland listening to this. Uh, Jerome, G-E-R-O-M-E in Newmarket is a fantastic Greek place we went for dinner. Um, there's Little and Friday, which is kind of a quite well-known bakery type spot, which is good if you want to pick something up in the morning. Um, there's a place called... Um, uh, I might have to come back in. <laughs> <laughs> La Cigale Market in Ponsonby was really good, sort of French weekend market. But yeah, on the whole, the food was really, really good. And yeah, definitely ticked off the bits and pieces that I needed to do. Uh, got the headshots done. That was a whole thing um, with the lovely Andy Crown. Uh, I'm currently going through the process of picking, which I think, as we said two episodes ago, I always knew it was going to be more difficult yeah. doing your own. Um, uh, it's, yeah. Oh, what a what a mare. But I do have a story for you, as I promised earlier, about about the headshots. Not the headshots themselves, but as I think we've mentioned before, when you're getting headshots, you know, you pick a, a couple of different looks, outfits to try and capture range is sort of the whole point. Um, it's not about having seven photos of you looking your absolute best. It's about capturing seven photos of a range of your personalities. Some serious, some smiling, some younger, some older all manner of adjectives um and you try and do that in some part with different outfits and what colors do for your personality um and one of the outfit choices that i did was a white linen shirt and matt expressed to me recent recently very complimentary <laughs> reviews of how i looked in the white linen shirt uh, the headshot photographer also expressed that it was uh, her favorite outfit look um and it's funny because I spent so much time in Hallensteins, Cotton On, uh, Barkers, trying to buy basic uh, colours, T-shirts, long sleeves for this headshot session. And the white linen shirt has the most odd uh, origin story. For starters, didn't buy it. Um, and it was... Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't buy it. And secondhand. Not only was it secondhand... Um, I guess I'll just start from the start. Basically, I went out for dinner one night a few months ago with my friend Connor, who you know, um, mm -hmm. and we he now lives uh, sort of in between the terrace and Thorndon, uh, and we went out for dinner to a place in Thorndon, and we were talking about what we'd done that day, and he said, oh, I took a bunch of clothes to the one of the clothes donation charity shops down on Thorndon. And he's like, oh, all this stuff was a bit too small because he'd just moved flats. And I said to him, well, you should have messaged me pictures. Like, I'm smaller than you. There might have been some of the stuff that I would have <laughs> wanted to wear. I thought, oh, well, too little, too late. Um, and then we shared a, a carafe of wine at the 
at the dinner and we were sort of walking back to his and we were contemplating going to town for, you know, another drink. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's just walk. Let's walk down and we'll see if, because what had happened is he'd <laughs> left it in the bag outside, outside the shop. Yep. And he said, I don't think they will have taken it yet because they haven't been open in the few hours since I've donated it. And at some point in the night, I was like, you know what, let's go back to, to the shop <laughs> And let's bin dive through your own donation bags <laughs> to see if there's anything that I want to wear. And lo and behold, the white linen shirt that would then become the hero of my headshot session <laughs> was sourced from the plastic bags of clothes that Connor had left outside um, whatever this this charity spot was in Thorndon. And I thought, isn't that classic? You, know, you can spend 30, 40 bucks on the top and it just look okay. But if you go rifling through your friend's stuff on a, uh, a Saturday evening outside a charity shop, you're probably going to find something better. And that's, oh, my, that's my sort it of was, fashion anecdote for the day. It was meant to be. It was, it was meant, meant to be. be. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. And I mean, like, it goes to show you a lot as well. Um, a lot of people are doing the old thrift stores and stuff yeah. as well. You know, don't don't have to buy high-end, even though, I mean, I don't work in high-end clothing. I definitely work in retail. But, yeah, there's something magical about second-hand stuff that can, uh, that can, that can just be the center of your wardrobe if you need it sometimes. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. And I've got to say, people, I, you may eventually see that photo if he, if he decides to pop it on the gram. I haven't actually popped mine on the gram yet. Um, but yeah, got to say, white linen shirt on you, bro. Mwah. Thanks, man. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely a different look. And the funny thing is, that wasn't actually something that was too small for Connor. Like, it's an extra large, and it's, yeah, I'm it always big, yeah. a medium. It's way mm. too big for me. But again, sometimes you just... Yeah, it looks like you're off to Cancun or something. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I had actually gone into, I think it was a Helenstein's shirt, and I think I saw the, the... I think they still sell a version of something similar, and I tried it on in a medium and had gone, oh, way too big. Yeah, no. But then oh, the extra large that's already been worn and softened and you know has had some time in the universe oh uh, yeah true yeah does does vibe so yep, yeah you that, that was meant to be i haven't messaged connor i don't think he listens to the podcast either so i will have to message him to say hey remember that time that we went bin diving <laughs> and well it's the star of these these headshots um but yeah i guess in summary auckland was a really really great trip our nice. friend and i both enjoyed ourselves immensely it was really really great to see uh you um and we had such a good time that you've uh You've you followed through on on our Saturday night. Oh, yeah, to come down to Wellington. Yeah, Classic it was spiel, but yeah, but it was yeah. such a good time that, uh, <laughs> from what I've been told, from my reputable sources on your your life, being you, uh, uh, being me, flights. yes. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I brought I brought flights this morning. I brought flights this morning. Um, yeah, that was really funny on Saturday. Obviously, you know, a bit drunk out of our minds. Not too crazy, but drunk. Um, yeah, James was like, "You gotta come down to Wellington. You gotta come. Come July." And I it just in that moment, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it." Because I've been saying this for the past like two months that I'm gonna be coming down. Um, so yeah, over the past few days, I've been looking at flights, and uh, this morning I booked some flights down to Wellington. So I'll be coming down for about a week and a half, just under two weeks. Um, and yeah, get up to some shenanigans down there. Um, I do miss it. I do miss Wellington. I miss my friends. I miss you. I miss my people. Um, so yeah, keen to come down and just, uh, really catch up with people, a lot of people this time. Um, and just, yeah, enjoy myself. It's happening. It's It's happening. happening. July. Already something to look forward to. And I guess that's in a non cheesy way, but that's what life's all about. Like having something, something else to look forward to. Um, 
but yeah, thank you for, for hosting me in Auckland. Apologies that we didn't get through a full episode, but I think the little bonus track was an enjoyable, fun, something different that was probably just as, as valuable. And, mm. and as we said on the bonus track, the topic that we were meant to talk about last week, we're talking about this weekend, and it's probably better off being in the in the traditional format. I yeah, think. definitely. Give it its space, definitely. Give it space. Um, any any other life updates that we need to know about before we move on to the next thing? Nah, not really. I mean, uh, look. I, I mean, as we as I keep trying to update, you know, I've uh, pretty much got my CV together now. My headshots are there. My show reel is is missing. Um, is missing one of my short films, but I think I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. Um, and yeah, really, I just need to get my email up and uh, send it off to um, the agencies that I want to get in contact with. So hopefully that'll be happening within the next week or so. Exciting. Exciting yeah, times. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and yeah, other than that, uh, life's continuing, but it's good. I'm happy. I've got a smile on my face. Um, and yeah, that's all I can that's all I can do. Nice, nice. That's more, <laughs> more than enough. Exactly. Um, Beautiful. I don't have anything else, so so we'll move on. Um, it feels like it's been a long time since we did one of these, and maybe it has. We missed a few weeks, but we're back around onto a week of a, a single topic, a deep dive topic, which of course means that we are we are re-entering the wonderful sphere that is the BuzzFeed quiz. Sort of half half horn with a little bit of something lighter there. That's just he's a DJ, folks. Well, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not, not, yet, yet. not yet. Promising, so, up and coming, DJ. Up and coming, up and um, coming. Yeah, as we as we like to take deep dives on sort of more hard hitting topics, we like to proceed that with something light and, frankly, almost satirical. Um, and this week <laughs> it is my turn to have the the joy that is the BuzzFeed quiz choice. Uh, I found a doozy. Um, nice. Every week I go on the BuzzFeed website and I think we will have gone through any quiz that is half decent and it's becoming harder. But oh. I'm happy with the selection of this week. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, this week's quiz is sort of inspired by the weekend that we had. Nice. And yeah, I thought it would be a, a good reflection of our Saturday night, um, perhaps Saturday night that we didn't have. And we'll Ooh. learn something along the way. The okay. title of this week's quiz is... We know your best and worst quality based solely on what mixes you pair with these alcohols. Oh, interesting. Now, on Saturday night, we were meant to have uh, a wee trip to some cocktail bars. There's a few places in Auckland uh, with a reputation, one of which I went to a long time ago, sort of back when it was unknown. And unfortunately, we turned up to that place, which we will not name because it doesn't need to become any more well-known, at 9.03, three minutes after opening. And we were told that it would be a 45 to an hour minute wait. Um, And on the back of that, we decided to bugger cocktails. (laughs) No, thank you. Bugger Martin downtown. We're going to K Road. So we, (laughs) I mean, we had some... Mixed drinks. Yeah, I made us a drink. Of a yeah. cocktail. We had the discussion about what makes a cocktail. Um, but uh, to honour the Saturday night that we could have had, but we didn't have, uh, we're going to be quizzing your your alcohol pairings and find right. a little bit out about your personality along the way. Nice. Feeling good. Feeling ready. I'm feeling good. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna. It's got a little intro. This one, so I'll read that quickly. The rules here are simple. Based on the generic type of alcohol listed, choose your favourite mixer. Or, if your favourite mixer is not listed, choose the one that is closest to the one you typically make slash order. And yell at me in the comments. Probably not going to happen. We're not the gonna comments go. thing. Once you've no mixed go. all your drinks, we'll let you know your best and worst quality with creepy accuracy. Uh. Also, drink responsibly. 
Which we endorse. Which we endorse. Which we endorse. Uh, cool. Let's go. You ready? You feeling fit and, and good to go? Yep, as I take a sip of my beer. Excellent. Okay, the first uh, drink is vodka, and your options for mixing are orange juice, soda water, cranberry juice, or more vodka. <laughs> OJ, soda water, cranberry juice, more vodka. Uh, I'll go orange juice. Orange juice, a classic. A classic choice. Uh, whiskey is your second one. Something I know that you don't really go much in for. Although uh, we did go hard on it on Saturday. Yes, that's true. Uh, <laughs> fake news. Coca-Cola, iced tea, club soda, nothing. I sip it. Oh, uh, uh, Nothing, I sip it. Nothing, I sip it. Interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, gin, one that we... No, that very, you do partake very in. well done yep uh, interestingly tonic is not on the list your options oh. are soda water lemonade pineapple juice or gin just gin uh i'll go lemonade lemonade nice nice uh tequila orange juice bloody mary mix soda water or just some salt and lime thanks. salt and salt and lime thanks nice one uh cognac a little Ooh. bit of water Ginger ale, iced tea, or neat? Oh, I can't say I have had cognac before. I mean, it's a dark spirit, like yeah. within the kind of bris, uh, whiskey, whiskey type realm. Yeah. So I guess just based on what you think you might mix something like that with. I'd say an iced tea. Iced tea? Iced tea it is. Uh, next we have sake, Japanese rice wine. Um, have you had sake before? Uh, I believe I have. Hmm. Um, I have two, but I think only once or twice. Yeah. Uh, your options for mixing are lemon tea, Sprite, or I'll take mine hot, thanks, presumably with nothing, or I prefer mine cold, thanks, also presumably with nothing. Uh, I'd probably say cold with nothing. Cold with nothing? Yeah. Cool. Uh, how many have we got left here? Two to go. Okay. Second to last is Irish cream liqueur. Which I guess is kind of like Bailey's or anything yeah. within that sort of thing. Uh, hot chocolate, coffee, milkshake, or Earl Grey tea? Um, oh, gosh. It's not my wheelhouse, eh? Uh, I'll probably say uh, 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 it was a cold chocolate, milk cho- milkshake. So it's it's hot chocolate or milkshake? Uh, man, I can't say I've ever had Bailey's and a hot chocolate, but that sounds good. I'll say hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Quite traditional around sort of the festive season. Maybe you mm. should try it sometime. I should. I should dabble. Um, but you have to buy a whole bottle, which is the thing. I guess you could yeah, buy I a don't wanna, one. I don't want to commit to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, something probably more to your taste, rum. The mm. options. Uh, I should specify that within the picture, it seems to imply that it's a uh, a white rum a white rather rum? than a dark rum. Nice. If that yep. changes your opinion. No, I, I um, like a white rum. Pineapple juice, coconut water, orange juice, or anything with a mini umbrella in it. <laughs> um, I probably pineapple juice. Pineapple juice. Pineapple yeah, juice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've changed up the order a little bit, and this time I'm not going to reveal your results until I've told you what I picked. Okay. Nice. Nice. What I picked was for vodka, cranberry juice. Mm-hmm. I think orange juice is traditional. I think I had a vodka cranberry recently and was like, oh yeah, this is oh, yeah. generic and basic, but mm-hmm. it'll do it. Also, because I don't drink cranberry juice that often, 
well, ever. Whereas I like an orange juice. I feel like I you don't want to taint orange juice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whiskey, I went iced tea. Nice. Don't know why. I just hate whiskey and Coke. I'd prefer not to sip it in club soda. I just felt iced tea might give it something. Uh, gin, I went lemonade like you. Tequila, mm-hmm. I went just salt and lime like you. Cognac, nice. I went uh, ginger ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, sake, I went cold like you. Yeah. Uh, Irish cream liqueur, I went coffee. Nice. Yep. Just because, again, I don't like anything Bailey's Irish creamish, so I feel like coffee would hopefully take over the flavor. Just take it. Yeah, true. And for rum, I went pineapple juice. So I would nice. say we so there was probably four, 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 five there. Yeah. So this will be a classic case of testing whether BuzzFeed has enough variables to not give us the same thing. Are we the same? Um, your result, and to remind you again, the what the quiz was promising to inform you was your best and worst quality. Mm-hmm. And your result, based on what you mix with particular liqueurs and alcoholic beverages, is you're incredibly funny but often put others' joy before your own. You're quick to make a joke to cheer someone up, but you deserve to take the time to give yourself the same joy you freely give others. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. How I, did I, you feel? Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's pretty, pretty true. I think I care about other people's uh, uh, laughter box than myself most of the time. There you go. I think it's potentially accurate. Yeah. On both sides. You are an incredibly funny person and you probably do, being a selfless person, put other people's joy before your own. Um, Should I tell you mine? Yes. My result was, you're incredibly funny. (laughs) Often put others' (laughs) joy before your own. BuzzFeed, come on. BuzzFeed. You've got to have at least Where's the algorithms? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was that? Let's say there's eight or nine and we answer at least 50% differently. Clearly they are not operating with very many options. Not that I don't think that that isn't true for both of us. And maybe... That's a good point. Maybe we should be doing the quizzes three or four times and actually the the combinations of what we we were doing led to the same result. But I highly doubt it. I think just there's only three options. There's only three options and, yep, we uh, hit that target. We hit the target. Um, Once again, we've learnt we're the exact same person. Which is nice. That's warming. <laughs> it it's, is warming. Uh, it's reassuring. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping that we would get something different because yeah, because yeah, yeah. I thought that, like the best BuzzFeed quizzes, there might actually be a grain of truth to the the sort of things that you you like from yeah, your flavor profile, and yeah, flavor yeah. profile, and yeah. No, I guess we're all just nope. the same generic the same. shots of tequila. Don't like whiskey. Um, pretty happy with a, a rum in general. <laughs> Vodka yeah. <laughs> brand of person, which is, uh, I mean, so, quite so, a lot of the listening audience, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's that's just it. Maybe all of us were just funny people that, you know, were selfless. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you're desperate to find out your best and worst quality to carry through life, uh, you can find it on BuzzFeed, and I would just search alcohol mixes best worst quality quiz. Um, and on that note, I'm going to close those tabs and never <laughs> reopen them. <laughs> thank you, BuzzFeed. Thank you, thank thank you BuzzFeed. Thank we you. will see thank you in three weeks. Three weeks. Um, if nothing else, it's it's got us it's got us feeling brevity and and lightness and and the mood for for something perhaps not more serious, but not more serious. But it's a topic. It's a topic it's a, this week. That's yeah, for sure. It's a topic this week. Um, 
I don't think we ever actually mentioned on the show what we wanted to talk about, just that we had decided to uh, postpone it for a week or move yep. it off for a week. Um, yep. This week we're talking about something that I know I've wanted to talk about for quite a while and it's been on our shared dock for quite a while, but we weren't quite sure how to broach it. We didn't know if it was a full episode or part of a two-part episode and it may well be either of those those things, but we thought it was finally time to kind of knuckle down and get on with it. And and the topic of, of focus for this week, I guess in a not succinct kind of a way, is food and diet and uh, people's consumption differences and how that reacts to environment, vegetarians and vegans and meat eaters and all the stuff that goes into the sphere of the food we consume, our personal preferences, and how that relates to uh, the world that we inhabit. Um, that was pretty tidy, don't you think? In terms that was, of a, that, that was a pretty topic. good, man. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's ex- that's exactly what we're talking about. That'll go straight on the the title of the episode yeah, when that. we upload it. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, hard to figure out what to call this week because it's. It's part diet, it's part food, it's part an environment, uh, climate change, um, all of all of those things, and perhaps that's why we haven't done it before. Um, but recently there was a uh, a documentary that got quite a lot of steam up, uh, in a similar way to the social dilemma did for talking about social media. It was kind of enough of a catalyst for us to go, oh well, let's let's finally talk about this. Um, at least in one episode, um, and that is the 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 recent documentary Seaspiracy on Netflix, which is a documentary. It did come out this year, right? It wasn't one of those Netflix docs that's been there for five years, and someone finally watched it, and it, it and it started released. blowing up again. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure it's a release this year. Yeah, um, if not, definitely, this has been the year that it's it's kind of rise in popularity, but. Yeah, Seaspiracy is is a documentary looking at uh, sea fishing practices, the impact on the environment. It's a couple of people and a protagonist kind of going around the world and exploring all the questions of sustainability of fishing and is fishing and overfishing ruining the environment and climate change and all those kind of questions, but specifically focusing on our oceans, uh, which I have to admit is not an aspect of food and meat consumption that I'd really given massive thought to before. And later on, we'll talk about our, our history with, with food and what we eat and what we don't eat. And, but yeah, the consumption of, of seafood and fish has never been, I guess, high on my list of consideration. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of other people and was enough of a spark in watching that documentary to uh, lead us into, to have a wider chat about all that kind of stuff today. Um, you watched it just last night, is that I true? watched it last night. Yep, I watched mm. it last night. Really fresh. Yeah, really fresh. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it was, I think like you said, it was a aspect of food that I hadn't really considered. Um, and whether that's, you know, like ignorance, you know, kind of thing. I think, I think that's a, a, a lot when it comes down to these things is just not really knowing about it. It's not that 
publicly, you know, it's not public knowledge of, 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 you know, what these industries and stuff are really doing. So it's, it's interesting watching a doco like this. Um, obviously, you know, as documentaries are, they're one perspective and, you know, they, they get what they can to do to, to put together this thing. But I got to say, watching this thing was really, um, it was really freaky to me. I did. I got really freaked out. I, I love seafood. Um, not that I consume a lot of it. Um, but yeah, I, I was watching this and it was really interesting um, seeing, you know, as we'll talk about later, you know, the difference between uh, consuming uh, food and animals that are on land to consuming animals that are in the ocean and what that has, uh, the wider impact that has on our environment. Um, and I think that's one thing I was, I was going to say before when you when you brought it up, it's, it's hard to kind of talk about this episode and breaking it up from food and diet and environment because the way that we're living now all of those things are just encompassing mm. you know uh, i think for a, a long time for me food was food I, I i wasn't really worrying about uh where it was coming from or the impact and all of that you know once again ignorance is bliss right we it's it arrives in our supermarkets we grab it and then we eat it that's all it is but i think gaining knowledge on knowing where our food is coming from and what it's doing um, dietary and, and consumption like that, it's, yeah, it encompasses all of those things, uh, the environment as well. Um, and that's why we wanted to wanted to talk about this today because uh, the food that we eat is is doing something to the environment. It's got to, it's got to come from somewhere. Um, and I think it, that kind of comes back to a conversation we've had before about, you know, the one of our early, early podcasts, Ethics of Having Children, um, is this kind of overpopulation aspect of it you know like there's a lot of people on this earth and if we are all consuming the same thing and consuming life and and other things on this earth of course it's going to come to a point where it's affecting it right like it we are all living in this circle of life life cycle of 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 animals and predators and prey and things like that so yeah i think it's um interesting seeing uh and learning about the effects of what we consume is actually having on the world. For sure. And we should say early uh, in this part of the podcast that we are not talking about this with the intention of necessarily convincing no. anyone to change no. their practices. Not, not that we're not uh, suggesting that anyone can make small changes because that is definitely something that Very I true. would advocate. And yeah. I believe that making change to diet and what you consume is not as difficult as, for the most part, people uh, think it is. But we do want to come on and say that this is not an episode where we're attempting to convince anyone of anything. Um, we simply want to come on and speak about our own experiences with what we consume, what we don't consume, how we feel about uh, documentaries such as Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy and Before the Flood and how we feel about what we eat and what we view within the world around us friends mm. who have mm. certain dietary um opinions or non-opinions and the general populace and i guess just the way that the world is shifting in terms of how we view what we eat because what you said before in the past just viewing food as fuel is what most people were doing until probably like 10 years ago i think Again, this is not to umbrella term the entire human population. There are people who have been vegan for 25 years and people who have been speaking about the you know, issues with eating meat, whether it be from an animal cruelty perspective or an environmentally not friendly perspective. You know, But for the most part, 
it's only been within the last five, 10 years that these conversations are becoming really, really present within mm. society. Mm. Um, and as with any issue that is present with society that we choose to talk about on this podcast, it's just our opinions. It's just our personal experiences. But you and I have never really had a massive conversation, at least with not within the last few years, about how we view the food that we consume and changes we have made and changes we want to make. So we thought it was probably high time to have a little chicken and yeah and discuss all that stuff um sure. before we talk about seaspiracy and and our personal uh, relationships with food i i did a bit of research this morning on the statistics of the growth of vegetarianism and veganism and within the world um now there's so many statistics and people that do statistics i'm not pretending to have the number one most accurate reflection of what the world is doing right now and i would say that any survey conducted that is trying to guess how many people uh, don't consume meat or have uh, specific dietary requirements is based on guesswork in the sense that it's informed guessing but mm. no mm. one is surveying 30 million every, people to, every single person yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but i did take down some notes that i thought gave an interesting rough approximation of where the world is kind of now versus a few years ago if you'll allow me to to go through them of, of I, course I, I allow you and i think angel allows you as she meows into the microphone fantastic thank you for both <laughs> your permissions um in some ways, I think the U.S.'s uh, statistics on vegetarianism and veganism are actually more interesting than ours, simply because climate change and the environment is a global issue. And unlike lots of socio-political things where we in New Zealand are, are doing better or worse than the world, anything that impacts climate change and environment, I'm just not that interested in how New Zealand is doing in terms of getting really proud or not proud, I mean, yes, there is there are certain cases where you can say, well, we as New Zealand claim to be green and we're not doing this, or we're not doing as much as we want to, we can do more. Yes, I'm an advocate for that, but climate change is a global thing, right? And that is yeah. something that ha- has to be recognised all the time. Yeah. So I'm really interested in what's happening in the US because far, far, far more million people than us and as the centre of the world, Western world, looking at trends that there are, potentially more revealing than say in new zealand yeah um so in the u.s as of 2021 uh six percent of people claim to be vegan which is up 500 percent compared to one percent in 2014 wow which is a massive rise that's a lot of people yeah and again stating these facts are all based on a few you know papers research things that i found online they're not necessarily a hundred percent accurate but i'd imagine they're they're formulated within truth so yeah to be up from one percent in 2014 to six percent in 2021 that's a massive increase in less than a decade um in the uk uh 1.16 percent of the population in 2018 said that they were vegan so a lot less than 6% of the US, but mm-hmm. up from 0.26% in 2014. So a similar increase in terms of in that three to 500% mm. range. Mm. Uh, in New Zealand, surprisingly to my belief, and again, it may be more than this, but only, uh, I think it's, th- is that a three or an eight? 
terrible. It's you terrible tell me. <laughs> um, let's say let's say roughly five percent of people are vegetarian, <laughs> not vegan. Oh, yeah. yeah. But within the last few years, thirty one of thirty one percent of people would describe themselves as flexitarian or actively trying to reduce their meat consumption. Yep. So I think that's a big thing within New Zealand. People Definitely. who have not necessarily gone full vegan or full vegetarian, but a significant chunk of the population is recognizing that this is an aspect of their diet that they're trying to mm-hmm. make improvements upon. Um, in the UK, 7.2 million people of adults. So I was trying to, f- I tried to look up the proportion of what percentage of the UK adults, but frankly, I, I ran into more trouble than I expected to, but <laughs> 7.2 million UK adults are meat free. So that gives you an idea of vegetarianism wow. versus veganism. I think the UK's population is roughly 60 million. So we're not just talking about vegans here. We're talking about yeah. people who fit within the vegetarian bracket. But yeah, so it's over 10%. Not vegan. Um, and it's estimated that there are uh, 193 million vegans in the world and 407 million vegetarians. 400... Okay. I think the 193 is part of the 407. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in any case, like as we try and quantify what percentage of the world doesn't consume meat, it's obviously, like, it's it's a lot. And the rough estimate is 10% of the world is in some kind of vegetarian diet. Awareness, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so 10% of the world is in some kind of vegetarian state. Obviously, some of those people are vegan as well, but one in one in ten. Um, and then the last stat that I want to share is twenty four percent of millennials worldwide are vegetarian, which is well, there you go a massive a massive stat. Um, mm. Yeah, it was interesting. Just, I mean, I'm happy to admit that I just typed into Google and tried to find stats from relatively reputable sources, but. It seems clear that the growth of people moving away from meat consumption, whether it be vegetarianism or going all the way to veganism, is continues to be on an exponential climb all over the world. Now, UK, US and New Zealand are quote-unquote Western countries. I'm sure there are people in the Eastern world that by default consume a lot less meat than the UK and the US and here. You know, People that live in countries where meat is super expensive or their culture does not lend them towards eating meat. Um, but yeah, it's clear that vegetarianism and veganism is on the rise. I'm sure you have friends, family that have become vegetarian within the last few years or vegan within the last few years. And if, if not that, within the way that food is marketed to us and supermarket products and takeaway products, it's clear that this is one of the great sort of shifting sands of of the world at the moment um your reaction to those stats at large i guess more or less than you expected is that sort of in line with probably what you would you would expect based on the last few years and and how topical this has become like just general thoughts yeah yeah i I, honestly i think the one statistic that doesn't surprise me is the millennial stat Hmm. about 24 percent i i think that makes sense and i think that's where we're kind of coming to with the conclusion of this episode is that uh, I, I think we're just becoming a little bit more aware of things when it comes to food and when it comes to um, being vegetarian and things like that 
Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's hard, right? Because, I mean, a lot of people do do it for different reasons, which I think we'll talk about soon. Um, the, the reasons why you're getting behind it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're, I, I, it definitely sounds right in the sense of that kind of exp, exponential growth, because I mean, from what we know and what we've watched and learnt, um, it kind of needs to happen. It kind of needs to keep on continuing going that way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, it, it's interesting. As you said, some, you know, some cultures are obviously, you know, steeped in tradition of either not eating meat or eating meat you know it's all they can actually provide themselves um for for food and for you know to just to sustain life really is it's it's all that they can really get a hand on um so yeah i, I think that's um interesting i mean look obviously when when i hear those numbers i wish it was more um but in saying that i feel like i would be a slight hypocrite in saying that as well because um, I mean, as I'll, as I'll mention very soon, I keep on, I keep on saying, I'll say this very soon. Um, but yeah, you know, I kind of look at the way that I eat food and, and think of, you know, what I could be doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think definitely when it comes to, um, you know, us being millennials and the newer generation and things like that, I think it really comes down to us and, and, and the next generation to really figure out, uh, what way we need to go forward with, with all of this kind of stuff. For sure. And there's massive generational differences. I mean, I don't begrudge our parents' generation eating the way that they eat because that was just when they were growing up. You know, you're a product of your parents and you're a product of the world that you grow up on. And, and I absolutely think for our parents' generation, it is much, maybe not much more difficult, but it's more difficult to make change than our generation because we have, on on the whole, touch wood, more time to live on this planet we've experienced mm. less time here so uh ways of eating are less ingrained within us and we can also see more of a future where perhaps changing the way we eat is more important uh to us um yep. so yeah i can totally understand why it's a lot harder for older people to make change and of course if you're a 14 year old and you're born into this world of of vegetarianism and veganism and there being more uh non-meat sort of products on the market if that's how you you choose to go about your your dieting and your food consumption it's getting easier and easier which is great because there's more and more companies and products that are coming on to the market and i guess just awareness that should make vegetarianism and veganism more accessible now again neither matt and i are vegetarian or vegan so it might come across as somewhat hypocritical that we're we're talking about this but we're both advocates for the fact that you can talk about uh it's it's healthy to have discourse about stuff that you uh, are only sort of partially engaged with and want to be Mm. more engaged with and more knows by the end of this episode we may well both (laughs) be more inspired to make more changes um Seaspiracy was a really interesting aspect of the, to put it bluntly, we are killing the planet in this way, we must make change yeah. bubble that I hadn't considered before. Neither. Fish for me, I, I have an interesting relationship with fish because my mum, who's the primary cook within my house growing up, she, her body doesn't react well to fish. She's not allergic to it, but mm. fish and seafood she just doesn't eat. So growing up we didn't eat very much of it fish and chips as a treat at some point um but the nature of it was we didn't grow up eating 
sort of seafood at all and fish very very rarely i said to you the other day i've never had an oyster um i don't think i've ever had mussels there's a whole lot of seafood that i've never tried before and so fish consumption has always been something that has not been huge within my life within the last few years i've probably started cooking fish more and i've always viewed fish as a the mediterranean people fish is within their diet and they're all old and healthy and we need to eat more fish because of the omega-3s and fish is really good for you you should replace meat consumption with fish more and pescatarianism and i think in my head i've always viewed fish as a a sort of positive outlet of consuming animal products yep and then you watch this documentary conspiracy which goes into all sorts of aspects about the fishing I guess industry but for the most part it's all a negative review about how much we're overfishing the mutilation of of specific uh, species of animals in parts of the world uh whaling killing of dolphins shark fin soup um the by catch of fishing when you put a massive net into the ocean to try and catch one species and it catches all this other stuff and you just chuck it out and the general i guess vibe that we're massively overfishing we're killing off species and the populations of fish are getting to the point of uh no return and so i found seaspiracy really really shocking yeah because i've always viewed fish as i guess a a a, i don't want to say sustainable form of meat but it's always seemed the most replenishable and because of the fish is good for you healthy fats mediterraneans ha 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 i've always thought oh well i'll probably eat more fish I, at some stage mm. in my life i might become pescatarian and then sea spiracy very much put the 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 brakes on that and and I'll, I'll definitely speak about some of the limitations of the documentary and the reaction of some people who were kind of not so impressed with the way that it, it spoke about the issues in the fishing industry but love to hear your thoughts on on it as as a whole i know that's super broad and we don't <laughs> have time to have a three-hour breakdown of it but but the documentary as as a whole i, I requested that you you watch it um talk to me see spiracy and that review yeah uh yeah as you said uh, oh, as i said before and i mean as you just said uh, yeah it shocked me man it shocked me um it really did i i really i really en- i enjoy seafood as i said before i i really enjoy eating fish um but the, the thing is, is that i i don't eat a lot of it i i i, I kind of realize that after watching it so like, well, i don't actually consume a, a lot of fish um but it is a thing that i absolutely love and treasure i, I think i think the thing that it really came down to me with seaspiracy is is kind of where you're getting it from you know like where where it's coming from um because i mean i i think yeah one thing i uh, that scared me the most was probably that bycatch was was, was the bycatch the yeah. the realization that you know these trawl you know these trawl fishing industries and things are uh they they just completely disregard all of these other animals that they're catching up in their nets just to get one species of fish to then sell on the market and as a cost of that they're killing all of these other species which um yeah which i think kind of got me the most um obviously yeah they spend a lot of time well initially the kind of documentary starts um by the the director um ali i can't remember his last name um with a fascination of whales and you know talking about the whaling industry and and you know how they're you know 
obviously there's been a big massive ban on killing whales for a very long time but it still does happen in our, in our world um, and then yeah that leads on to dolphins and sharks and then leads on to the commercial fishing and farm fishing and and then even unfortunately in some parts of the world the slavery of it as well when um in, in some countries unfortunately um, so yeah I, 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 I definitely found it um, a, a bit of an eye opener um, but I mean even some some similar facts that I, I really found interesting as well you know he, he talks to I don't necessarily know if they're scientists but researchers and, and when it comes to as you were saying like the omega-3s and the fatty acids that we get from fish um, that doesn't necessarily come from fish itself it comes from the food that they're getting in the ocean it comes from the algae that they're eating the algae are the ones that are providing this they eat it and then it goes into into their into their fat into their flesh um, and then you know that continues on so it, it, it's yeah kind of unlocking some of these perceptions that we have about eating fish is it's not necessarily <laughs> them themselves it's not beneficial necessarily to eat fish um, but I think I think the one thing that I kind of want to say uh, to kind of caps lock not to caps off to, to close this kind of review of it in, in my own opinion is that I've got absolutely nothing wrong with people that are fishing off a wharf or fishing off rocks you know what I mean that's I think that's not the bad part of of the industry at all I've always been an advocate and I would love to be in the situation where if I lived out in nature I could go and catch my own food you know I've I've been out hunting before and it was a it was a humbling experience in the sense of you're catching your own food you know there, as I said before that disjoint of of picking up meat in the supermarket you have no idea how that meat got there um so I think yeah I think that's one thing I wanted to say it, it's I you know we're not trying to get at the fact of like you know completely shut down eating fish and stuff or you know just to disregard anyone that does fishing or anything like that i think if you're going out on a boat with friends and you're you're catching off a line sweet you know you're 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 not the you're not the problem of of the industry when it comes to the fish and our oceans at all it really came down to the commercial side of it that was really scary and the trawling and the destroying of our oceans and things like that and I think, as you said before, you know, like the comparison between um, with the stats, you know, the United States and, and England and New Zealand. I mean, I think one thing that I am very proud of in this nation, at least, is that we have banned trawl fishing around our waters. But I think the unfortunate thing of that is it's only within a set perimeter around New Zealand. And the Navy Coast Guard has to sit on that perimeter to make sure that people don't come into it because there's still industries out there that are doing it. So I think, you know, obviously as our governments and us as people, we try and look for these solutions. And obviously in New Zealand, we've been like, this is a bad thing. We don't want this to happen. But the fact is, is that we are only a very small percentage of the problem in, of, you know, trying to save this problem in the world. Um, so yeah, seaspiracy. Just to kind of say, it was it, it was definitely shocking. Um, but there's still aspects of um, you know seafood and kaimawana and definitely in you know Maori heritage and, and Maori tradition when it comes to providing from the land and the sea. Um, I still feel like we're 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 okay and we are doing it right. Um, but the problem, I'm not saying that we're the problem. It's 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 bigger than us, you know, for the for the rest of the world and the commercial side of it. I think fundamentally, that's always the 
the crux of the issue with anything environmental or climate change is getting over the hump of what can I as a single person do in this massive world affair and inarguably almost all the time the high 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 majority of the issue is coming from massive corporations that you and I have no influence yep. over exactly even if you and I get 10,000 people and we go and march on government our government even if they chose to do something would have no influence over the American government who would have no influence over you know, the Pepsi company or, or you know these massive massive corporations that are responsible for all the issues and it's viewing that truth that kind of inarguable truth and then trying to make personal decisions in the face of knowing that your personal impact probably doesn't have that much of an effect on the planet as a whole yeah. i'm happy yeah. to say that yeah. it sounds super depressing but oh it is i mean it is depressing yeah but then other people out there will say you know it's about you you are part of a generation where if everyone starts doing little things then of course change can be made and i think i can believe both of those things at the same time that for the most part the issues are in corporations and in you know massive massive countries that perhaps not our own while also thinking you know we can stand for making change individually and i think the the fish is an interesting into that because of course it makes sense when you, when you put it as bluntly as x percentage of the planet is covered with water fish inhabit those waters we need the oceans to survive it's like oh yeah of course why do we even care what's on land <laughs> yeah. the ocean yeah. is the number one thing we've known the great barrier reef was dying for years um but uh, to link into what you were saying is kind of a review of seaspiracy is fish and seafood is clearly an issue of sourcing because mm. unlike other animals which we will get to very soon a fish swimming in a water is doing no or very very little harm on its own it's the the way that that fish is sourced and the other things that get killed or polluted in the process of that that make the consumption of fish more problematic yep yep and as you say there's a difference between the restaurant in wellington auckland that does a fish special every day because they get a different large fish caught sustainably from random fisher who they know who brings it in and then they charge however many dollars for a portion of that fish that is a completely different industry than the massive trawlers who are pulling up thousands of tenths of thousands a hundred thousands of fish in order to catch something and then chucking all that other bycatch yeah. out and yeah. i think the one of the the fish consumption things that really hit home to me was tinned tuna i think is probably the most problematic fish consumption that i engage with because mm. one of the aspects of sea if you haven't seen it was them kind of going off on the the concept of dolphin friendly dolphin sorry dolphin friendly uh labeling on tuna containers and is that the case at all and are, is any tuna dolphin friendly and i think i realized that that's probably the most problematic uh fish consumption that i engage in because mm. i know that tuna is becoming extinct because countries like japan are so obsessed with it with sushi and sashimi and to them it's seen as kind of the holy grail of of animal food consumption in this world and i just thought 
I just can't, I can't, cannot justify eating tuna anymore. Mm. Especially because this is so not fresh. It's coming out of a, a tin. The sourcing of this is probably terrible. Whereas I would be less likely to uh, feel so guilty about going to a restaurant and there being a fish special and once every th- two months when I happen to go to a restaurant, you know, deciding to consume fish that way. Because it seems to be a sourcing problem, you know. Mm. All of the issues that are going on and the mass scale fishing and consumption of of fishing. Yeah, I mean, we don't have time to go into all the the freaky stuff of the documentary and there've definitely been reviews of people who were uh, part of the filmmaking process, people that have been interviewed uh, that said that things were taken out of context as is always the case with documentary. You, you film and then you edit together what you want to form. Oh, you make a narrative. narrative. You make yeah, a narrative. Exactly. Yeah. There've been people who were interviewed that were, you know, said that you've massively skewed this to form your narrative and people that have quite fairly been critical of some of the statistics that they were quoting. You know, I remember when I watched it and saw, you know, stats pop up and I was like 2008 that's ages ago this is almost yeah like irrelevant like the history major in me went that that's that's terrible sourcing and so there have been critics of the documentary that have I guess uh attacked certain aspects of the narrative that they were they were saying suggesting that some things are not as bad as uh they were perhaps making them out to be i think that's probably true i think Mm. those kinds of documentaries Mm. you want to make an impact and you want people to to feel scared and so in some ways you probably not necessarily stretch the truth but you have a narrative to tell but on the whole even recognizing that there is probably truth in those critics uh arguments on the whole the documentary was very effective and making me go wow i hadn't considered fish and seafood consumption how am I engaging with that? And also, where does New Zealand fit within this bigger picture? Because as I said, climate change is a global thing. Like, It's all very well for New Zealand to have better fishing ethics in the world, but if we're only 0.3%, and that's a random stat that I've made up of the consumption of fish in the world, it almost doesn't matter if our practices are good because the world is getting worse. New Zealand... Yeah isn't getting worse you know yeah um yeah. but it has made me more aware you know there've been some greenpeace permit commit uh what's the word petitions that have come through uh, my emails in the last few weeks where i went oh greenpeace is petitioning to make cameras mandatory on all fishing on vessels fishing in vessels. new zealand because yeah. Yeah. that was meant to be happening and it hasn't been rolled out properly and supposedly only 50 percent of boats have them on and supposedly all the New Zealand fishing boats are meant to have people on board viewing them, but, you know, we all know that 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 has its limitations, and it's definitely made me more aware of the fishing practices in New Zealand. But as I said to my dad, and I'll give him credit, dad has been someone who's been making more of an effort to watch more of these documentaries and learn more about meat consumption and the the environmental issues associated with them. He watched it before me and recommended that I watch it, and as I said to him afterwards, having a, a healthy discussion, I said does it really matter if New Zealand's doing things the right way if the world isn't, you know, it's not the kind of climate change is not the kind of issue where we can sit on the couch and be like, well, we're doing our part. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. But it definitely impacted me and and has had me thinking about fish consumption and to the point of Fran and I being like, well, do we just stop eating fish? It's normally pretty expensive. Uh, If the documentary is right in suggesting that the things that we think are beneficial about fish you know, the omega-3 fatty acids 
aren't actually that present in the fish or you can find them elsewhere and actually all the potential because that mercury in fish is really really bad for you maybe we just stop mm. eating fish um mm. and yeah i think the only f- the only fish that i've had since then was uh the last tin of tuna in my house which yeah. which i ate because i'm not for food wastage i think if you bought something you better consume it than waste it but i've i've had the last tin of tuna i don't think i'll have tin tuna again and i was staying with family in auckland and we they prepared a fish fish dish and as i'll say uh in the coming moments if anyone ever makes a meal for me i will never decline any aspect of yep. it based on dietary mm-hmm. uh requirements but yeah, sea spiracy has definitely had some impact on how I view my consumption of seafood and, and I guess considering the sourcing practices domestically and internationally because it did its job. It was shocking. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I think one thing that we, I mean, just to quickly mention on that we both of us didn't really mention as well um, is just the, I mean, this all came from as I said before, the whales, but the more and more that he kind of researched was also talking about obviously like plastic and plastic waste and, you know, what that does to our oceans and things and how that, you know, the microplastics that get into the water and then, then, then the fish eat it. And, you know, all of these, all of these animals that are dying from our plastic and waste and things like that. And I, I feel like obviously as a nation, we've definitely been getting on that plastic bags banned a lot of places straws banned things like that but what this documentary gets on is that unfortunately that isn't actually the bigger that's not the big problem that's that's not what's going wrong with our seas um and and that's what the rest of the documentary kind of expands on so i think yeah as much as what we're kind of getting more onto with plastic bags and straws and things like that that's good i mean they're not they're not necessities we don't need those things in our life at all um there's better ways of 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 doing things for the environment as as we've all learned over I don't know the past decade or the past few years um, as as a nation and, and as a world, um, but yeah, I think these documentaries definitely give uh, more insight into um, the the bigger picture, the 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 bigger picture of it all, um, because yeah, our seas, man, they do they do a lot for for our carbon. Um, carbon consumption and, and, and you know how they kind of clean the air and the oxygen that it provides for us and, and the animals and the ecosystems and things like that so yeah I think that's the thing that's kind of um, that, that gets me but yeah I, I think as I said before and my, uh, my last final point on it is that uh, I, I must say I love my tuna I absolutely love my tuna uh, tuna and rice a, a nice easy snack um, but uh, yeah definitely going to change the way that I consume that um, and I to be honest, the only time I'll probably continue eating fish is that if I'm on a wharf or if I'm on a rock and I'm catching it myself, mm. I feel. Um, because like I said before, I really don't, that's that's not the problem at all, at all. So uh, I'm still an advocate for fishermen and people that go and do that because I think you're doing it right. Yeah, or if you can be in a place such as a restaurant and you can ask you can the restaurant ask. owner exactly. or you chef where do you source this from and yeah. the thing is if they yeah. can tell you where they source it from it's probably genuinely sustainably sourced if if it can't if no one can tell you where it's come from the presumption has to be that it's from a place that ain't that great yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 um but yeah fish is obviously fish and seafood is its whole own own thing and and I guess my relationship with food and diet has over the last few years has been far more 
land base. I mean, you mentioned before, um, beef. And for me, the big change in how I viewed, I guess, the catalyst for my you know, thinking more about food, not just being fuel and what are you consuming, was Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio's, sorry, Leo, what's your name? Um, Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's documentary, Before the Flood, which I think came out in 2016. Um, Leo, obviously a big advocate for uh, climate change awareness, is putting his money where his mouth is. Uh, used his Oscar win speech to speak about the planet, one of the kind of most well-known celebrity figures for climate change awareness. And that documentary really hit me. I don't know if it was the documentary itself or the time of like my life that I watched it, but there was a, an aspect of the documentary, which we may well clip into uh, this uh podcast and post-production the wonder of post-production um but there was about a three four minute part of the documentary where leo was talking to a scientist and former cattle farmer who was speaking about the fact that as individuals we find it really difficult to figure out how we can make change how can we you know do things within our own lives that will have some kind of impact on the planet and what he said in this in this clip was the number one thing that you can do is to, to change your own uh, footprint, uh, emission footprint on the planet is to change what you eat. And within changing what you eat, the number one thing that you can change is limiting your beef consumption. And for some reason, that really hit me as being a doable, manageable first task going, I can cut out, I can just stop eating beef. It's not asking you to go straight to vegetarianism. It's not asking you to go straight to veganism. It is one task that is really doable. And I just decided, yeah, I'll just try it. Um, and that was in mid 2016. And I think since then I've, I probably had beef less than 10 times. Um, I'm not really interested in saying, Oh, I did two years and then I ate it. To me, that's, that stuff doesn't matter. The whole cold turkey on, consuming meat or consuming dairy is, is not helpful uh and kind of the the how many days you've gone but the only times i've eaten beef have been when someone's prepared it for me you know i've been at someone's house staying and they've cooked dinner and has been beef uh i think one time within the first year i accidentally ordered some kind of stir fry that i just didn't realize had beef into or until i went oh of course. Um, and then on one singular occasion, I'm happy to admit, our last two Valentine's days ago, we were in a really lovely restaurant in London, Fran and I, and uh, part of the set course menu was she, uh, one of the courses was Wagyu beef. And I had said to them, can I have the vegetarian option rather than the beef? And they were like, cool. Yes, we'll save the money. No Wagyu beef for you. We'll give you cauliflower instead. <laughs> but Fran offered me uh, a piece of like a, a mouthful of the beef she's like you have to try this and i went you know what i've never had wagyu it's probably the only time in my life i'll ever try it you're gonna eat it all anyway on this one occasion i'm going to accept and had it and it was delicious and oh, that yeah. was i think the last time that i had i had beef but yeah before the flood was the first uh massive change for me in the way that i viewed uh 
diet and was it around the same time that you stopped eating beef for a bit yeah man it it, must have been yeah no it was you it was it was you that did it uh i I remember when you uh told me about it and you know what you were doing and things like that and i i really did it to kind of start supporting you behind it and and i really knew the message that you were doing and i think like you said i mean oh well why that's easy i'll just stop eating beef um so yeah i did i did um but I must say, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I mean, it's like you said before, it's I know you that you're not interested in having clean for two or three years or so. But I must admit the the last year, um, I, I, I have started consuming beef again, N- not not a lot. Um, but I did. Um, and I got to admit, there's there's certain aspects to it. It was obviously I started doing HelloFresh. Um, and obviously you can choose your meals and things like that. Um, but there were a few meals there where I did start getting a few beef meals and, and things like that again. Um, and I've got to say, when I started eating beef again, my body really thanked me for it. And I know that obviously you can replace, you know, that, that protein and, and, and iron and things with different things. Um, but I did, I did, I really did just start enjoy and, um, enjoy eating it again. Um, so yeah, I did. I think I think for three years, I, I uh, when about the same time you started, I, I I wasn't eating beef. Like you said, I think there was a few lapses, maybe a few drunk nights where the odd cheeseburger came into account. Well, look, there are people who are who are <laughs> strong vegans. I don't know what that means as 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 an educate people that have been vegans for a long time who really strongly advocate veganism. Who I know sometimes eat meat on a night out. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't think judgment is helpful. I think that is my main issue with the concept of vegetarianism and veganism is that in some ways I don't think the labels are helpful in encouraging other people to make changes to the food they consume. Mm. Whereas something like mm. flexitarian or, or you know something that f- sounds a bit weak and wishy-washy is actually more likely to encourage people to make changes yeah and yeah that's why i'm saying you know the fact that you now consume beef is this is not the goal of this podcast is to come on and you know make you feel bad about how bad no but having the conversation might be enough for you to go oh yeah you know what i did this once before i can cut back i can do it again but hey that, that three years where you didn't you obviously would have changed your your footprint and you know you can go back to that um if you'll humor me uh i would i'd quite like for us to both re-watch that clip i've sent it to you on facebook um a rare uh during podcast clip that i've sent <laughs> through but if we both watch it now and we can we can put the audio in in post-production i think it's a good three and a half minute summary of sort of what prompted me to make a change and yeah i'd just be interested to readdress it sort of five years later and see how it resonates to me now of course sweet as well uh we'll bring it up we'll we'll do some some tidy little editing later on and and then we'll uh we'll chat about it (laughs) if you want something that you can do without appealing to any higher authorities such as government or whatever, I can't think of an easier um, out than changing your diet. You can start tonight. So you're a scientist who studies the effects of agriculture on climate, but you grew up raising cattle and taking them to slaughter, right? I'm a scientist. That's the most important thing. So 
of all the reasons for tropical deforestation, the foremost is beef. And beef is one of the most inefficient uses of resources on the planet. In the U.S., 47% of land is used for food production. And of that, the lion's share is just to grow feed for cattle. The things that we actually eat, like fruit, vegetable, nuts, it's a percent. Most importantly, cows produce methane, and methane is a powerful greenhouse gas. The way cows produce methane is they eat as much as they can, and when they are chewing, a whole bunch of methane is burped uh, through the mouth uh, into the atmosphere. The atmosphere has much more CO2 in it, but methane is far more impactful. Every molecule of methane is equivalent to 23 molecules of CO2. And of the methane in the atmosphere, nearly all of it is due to livestock. In comparison to emissions from other sources, what kind of percentage are we talking about come from the consumption of beef? About uh, 10, 12% of the total U.S. emissions is due to beef. It's staggering. But it's very easy to envision a dietary shift, even as minor as switching, let's say, from beef to an alternative, let's say even chicken. The chicken will require 20% of the land and 10% of the greenhouse gas emissions. And if you compare rice or potato or wheat, beef requires 50 times as much land. So even cutting the amount of beef that you eat in half or by a quarter could make a significant difference. It, very significant. Do you, do you at all think that that's even a possibility considering that beef is so a part of our culture? Maybe not everybody's ready to eat tofu, you know, 24 seven, I get that. But even if you just have to have some flesh between your teeth, if you switch to chicken, you will have eliminated 80% of what you emit, depending on where you're coming from. Let's face it, it's fairly easy to switch your diet from one choice to another. And that uh, is the voice of Jidan Eshel, PhD research professor, environmental physics from Bard College from the documentary Before the Flood. And I think what was so impactful about that to me was not just the way that he spoke about making like a single choice that can have a big impact was the fact that he was even saying, you know, it's not even necessarily about if you must eat meat, switch to chicken, you know? And I think it was one of the first times that I'd ever heard someone advocating for positive climate activity change within diet, not just saying go vegetarian or go vegan. Obviously, if the world did that, there would be massive positive effects, but the recognition that there are other steps along the way. And I think for me personally, that helped me stop consuming beef. And as a result, seeing how you can make uh, valuable change in your own way. So I guess my story is I haven't been eating beef since 2016. And then at the start of 2018, I went, well, if you're serious about the negative effects of uh, cows on the environment, then you should also stop consuming products that cows create. Almost everything being cow 
milk based so since 2018 i basically haven't consumed for the most part uh single dairy products so normal cow milk cow butter cow cheese um and as much as i don't buy that from the supermarket but i've been really vocal in saying i don't look at the back of every muesli bar and see if there is cow dairy Mm. within that Mm. I am aware when I eat products, whether it be a pasta dish at a restaurant or whether it be a slice from a cake shop, I know that a lot of things have dairy in them. And so I don't say that I'm, I don't eat dairy. What I say is I have stopped my highest clear percentage consumption of those products. I don't eat cow milk. Uh, you know, I basically, everything I consume is soy based. I use non butter-based spread. Uh, I don't buy yogurt. I don't buy cream. I use soy cream. But I also recognize that I'm imperfect in my cow dairy consumption. I eat goat's cheese. I buy sheep (laughs) cheese. I think that's a fantastic out, is that not consuming cow products. It's not saying not consuming dairy products. I'm very specific because my issue is with, as was influenced from that particular documentary, the effects of cows specifically. And so over the last few years, I've... I've sat in this weird place where I'm not vegetarian because I eat chicken and I eat pork and I eat lamb. Not that often. I've started cooking far more vegetarian meals. I would say 50 to 75% of the time I'm, I'm cooking vegetarian. And I'm also not buying cow dairy, which means a lot of the time when I cook vegetarian, I actually cook vegan because I'm not using butter or cream or anything to improve the flavor, say. And that's my issue with people who are saying like you either meat eater or you're vegetarian or you're vegan is there's a lot more gray area and i feel positive about the fact that my changing diet has reduced my impact on the environment even though i still consume meat products and sometimes i consume normal dairy products because god knows that so much has some form of milk powder in it but i've made pretty easy switches switching to soy milk and having goat cheese rather than normal cheese and I'm really happy with the, the changes I've made. And anytime I've gone into these discussions with, with people, what I've said is you can make change that doesn't fit within the confines of what uh, society tells you is making change. You don't have yeah. to become vegetarian. Yeah. You don't have to become vegan. As I said, I'm working my way towards vegetarian. I hope I'll get there one day. And when I get there, then I will probably be close to vegan. But I'm not interested in being able to tell people I am vegan. I'm interested in making change that I know I can stick to and still cook in the way I want to and still take pleasure from food. Um, But yeah, that three and a half minutes from before the flood was kind of the start of my personal journey with diet. And I'm just enjoying being able to make small changes and shave this thing off here. And now with fish, it's like, well, I guess tin tuna is out. And that would be my biggest, uh, I guess, suggestion. And what I would advocate for people is, is it's a lot, more manageable to look at what you consume and trim something off here and trim something off there. It's like, have you actually tried oat milk in your flat white? But a lot of people think it's better than normal milk. Like I've convinced my parents they won't drink oat milk and tea. They need their tea with their dairy milk, but <laughs> they drink oat milk flat whites now because they've gone, wow, this tastes way better. And I take that as a small win. I don't see it as a, yeah, oh, I still have so much further to go with getting them to reduce their consumption. But yeah, that's my sort of long spieled way of 
uh, speaking to where I am now and my opinions on, on food consumption and how it relates to climate change and that you can make, you can make change without saying, Oh, I'm cutting this out a hundred percent. I will never, never, ever consume that in any food product. Cause that's really, really hard. And I think it's yeah. more beneficial to, uh, be shaving things off where you can and if you slip up here or you accidentally eat this here that's okay you're making active change um from your choices yeah yeah and i think that i i think that that what it comes down to is that if everyone made a slight active change then of course we're having an effect you know um yeah i i i yeah i gotta say on top of that like i i commend you you know, for, for, for what you're doing and things. And I, I think I, I said this to, to James at the start of the episode, you know, like, um, not calling myself a hypocrite and things like that, but it's, it's interesting how, like, I have this awareness of, of all of these things and, and what's happening with, with beef and, and dairy and, and, you know, even fish now that it's come to mind. Um, but yeah, I think for, for me personally, there's been a lot more that I could have done that I haven't been doing, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think, and I think that's why these conversations are important because I know for years I went without beef and I was fine. Um, and, but I also know that during that time and even now there are more changes that I could, could do to when it, when it comes to that. I love food. I absolutely love food, uh, you know, from a consumption and how it makes me feel and, you know, what I can make and what these things can do. It's great. But I think as we're kind of, you know, mentioning in this, in this podcast and, and in this discussion is that there is a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture, and if we we all make a slight change, as James said, not a, not elimination. I mean, look, if everyone eliminated these things, perfect, we'd get there a lot faster. But we know, just as humanity, that's not possible. But if we can start now, even in our generation or in the next generation, make these slight changes, then yeah, maybe look, we could do it. We could we could definitely preserve and and improve things uh, in the long run. Because, look, unfortunately, we need to. We do. Uh, we are getting to the point on this world where there is a cap, um, where uh, there's the what the line of no return, right? Mm. The doomsday clock is, is what they always call it. Um, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. And there's a lot of different aspects in life that we need to change. We're not just saying that it, it is just the, the meat industry or the fishing industry um, to solve the world's problems. There's a lot of other things in the world where governments and things need to improve. But the fact is, is that if we all make a slight change and awareness to these things, then we're at least doing it right. And we can. And, and we can. And so I think that's why it was so important for us to come on here and 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 have start that conversation and and get you guys uh, thinking a little bit more, I guess, really. Yeah, and as you say, the, the concept of being a hypocrite is just it's so not helpful because I'm aware that you know you and I are, have different you know, food consumption histories and what we consume now, but there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people as we spoke about before who are doing way more for the planet than I am. Yeah, this is not true. me coming on here trying true. to parade and say I do anything because I, vegetarians, vegans out there in New Zealand, friends, strangers, they're doing far more for the planet from that perspective than I am. Yeah. I'm yep. so much, so aware that there's a lot more that I can do and I'm trying to make that progress in my own time. And I think there's a place for people who 
uh, somewhere on the spectrum to speak about these kind of issues rather than feeling like, oh, I'm not a vegetarian, I can't speak about that. Or, oh, I'm not a vegan, I can't speak about that. Because that is what stops people from making change, the fear of having the conversations and the fear of making incremental change because you might be ridiculed for not going as far as other people think you should. And that's why I was so keen, and we've been keen for a long time to talk about this and feeling that the time was right to come on now and say, we're not perfect, but we're having these conversations and we want to be better and you know we might hang up after this and go, oh yeah, we're going to make a change. Even if it was just the seaspiracy thing. Hmm, yeah, probably I'll stop consuming that or maybe I'll start making progress. And the point is it's okay to have conversations about things that you want to do better or you don't do current, currently. I mean, we yeah. all do it with the gym. Everyone goes, oh, I'd love to get fitter. I'd love to test this out. And people don't <laughs> do it. It doesn't mean people if you say that people don't come and say, yeah, but people are already doing it. So you should leave talking about the gym and health to those people. It's just not the case. Mm. Mm. That isn't the way that we should view these things. Um, and I think the only person who should be uh, judging what you consume is yourself uh, and how you feel about your own diet within your own specific situation within your own life circumstance but yep. definitely we wanted to come on and i guess speak about how we feel the change we're trying to make and yeah just encouraging conversation on on food as a whole yeah yeah and, and i think i think we're both aware that obviously there's been some questions and some answers in the terms of dietary and things that we haven't you know stepped on in the sense of like allergies and obviously yeah. you know physical and things like that but we really wanted to encompass this in the sense of the environment yeah. um because i think yeah we kind of yeah it, it is the it is the bigger picture it is the it is the uh, in seaspiracy the space station that we live in in our in our um, little solar system to sustain life for ourselves um so yeah this has been uh very interesting very eye-opening mm. and i think as you said i will go away from this episode and uh just reassess i must say i i, I did do my hello fresh for next week um and i've got two veggie meals in there nice um, one. so yeah so i i think yeah i'm definitely going to be more aware of just um yeah uh, of what of what i'm eating kind of thing you know because it, it, it's it, 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 it is hard but at the same time it doesn't need to be yeah it's just the constant attempt to remind yourself and not just go through another day another week another month another year of not thinking about it reminding yourself hey this is something to consider yeah. um and as you say we didn't even touch on uh for lots of people who are vegetarian or vegan for them it comes from a place of animal cruelty and that's yeah. something that we specifically yeah. haven't mentioned today because we're looking at food and diet from a place of impact on the environment climate change now i'm sure there are there are links to those two issues it's not something that we're trying to ignore it simply wasn't the focus of the discussion today it would be great and i know that we will come back and do at least one more episode on this because there's other stuff to, to unpack there but we want to recognize that this is a massive topic we haven't covered off everything today it would be impossible to do that within the space of an hour this is just one uh version of this discussion to be had on this um particular day which i've i've really enjoyed i've enjoyed yeah, same. Uh, speaking to you uh about it and it's just about yeah having a refresher and 
reconsidering and considering aspects and sharing these conversations with people I think is is always beneficial regardless of how you come into the conversation at the start right everyone's yeah yeah everyone's relationship with food even if you are both meat eaters or both vegetarians both veganisms or pescatarians everyone's relationship with food is completely different and the more that we can recognize that and work from that to more environmentally friendly practices the better yeah totally agree totally agree and i think that's a beautiful way to uh cap that conversation and um i must ask you uh to end the episode how has your drink been uh i've actually enjoyed it and again i said that sounded bad as if i expected to not enjoy it but you know you we've you've had lager on brulette before and it was sort of lacking for you um i have really enjoyed it and as i said it potentially was simply because i was not that interested in having a beer today so having a lager that was slightly lighter was 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 good um yeah it's a lager that is not a crap lager across the bar in a shitty pub like you can tell it's probably a craft beer lager um just figuring out what i want to score i am cheating a little bit by going back through my notes fair enough looking at previous scores um i think I am going to give it a mid to high seven. I'm going to give it a, I think 7.6 is fair. Not a massive score, but then again, it's just a lager, an experimental lager. And I think for a lager, (laughs) 7.6 is a pretty decent score. I would definitely drink this again. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I'm on a similar wavelength to you. I, I like a sour. I like fruity things, as I said at the start. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Very easy to drink, um, this sour. Very easy. I, I think the the thing I like about it the most is that I've had sours in the past, and um, it, it really, I mean, it's sour for a reason, but it's more sour than anything else. You know, you can really, it, you think of like a sour lolly, it really hits the back of the throat, um, whereas I feel like this one really just travels to the back of my tongue, which I enjoy. It's not too invasive as a sour which I like. Um, so uh, honestly, I, I, I do rate it. I, I very much would drink this again in, in terms of the sours that I've had before. Love the passion fruit um, aromas and the guava. Um, uh, honestly, I'm going to give it a solid eight. Um, haven't, haven't, we haven't had much just like one-digit uh, rankings, but I'm going to give it a solid eight. I, I, I think it, um, it does deserve it. Nice, nice. High, high scoring across both of our uh, histories of brulette. We are nine weeks in. We have not succeeded in buying the same beer yet, but we're no. working our way through. We're, we're slowly learning. Um, and and as we drink more and more, it's. I think we're becoming more critical about where things sit on the spectrum because you don't want to give something too much credit or not enough credit. Um, yeah, thank you for another week of the show. No, thank uh, you. Thank you again for having me in Auckland. Uh, it was a really good break, and I'm feeling energized from it, even though I'm tired from it. Um, <laughs> nice, and nice. thank you for the conversation today, and to the audience listening in, we hope it has been valuable in some amount, regardless of where you sit on the spectrum of food consumption. Um, we hope it's just been been something worth, worth listening to and, and has got you thinking, uh, whether you be a uh, beef and meat lover or vegan of 20 years um, we 
we love you all the same. If you're listening exactly. to us, we, we, we value you regardless. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, no, thank, thank you, bro. Thank you for your mahi as well, uh, for this episode. Um, and yeah, uh, like, thank you for making me watch that documentary as well. Um, and I think, yeah, like you said, uh, this podcast is just a platform for us to come and have these conversations where, uh, we just want to chat and if it gets you chatting, then good. That that's all we want. Um, so thank you all for listening, um, and thank you, James. Cool. Oh man, I guess all that's left to be said is we will see you next time. Peace.